pause when the clock has started. Esta es una hueá que en 20 minutos nunca más vas a escuchar. Jorge de Chile. <laughs> Jorge de Chile. That's one of Tony's friends. <laughs> you got him to record that? And I'm hoping, he said, this is 20 minutes, you'll never get back. And uh, my name is Doug Prezak. Thank you very... No, it's not Doug Prezak, thank you. It's not Prezak, thank you. It's Doug Prezak. Thank you very much for tuning in to this episode number 93. I do appreciate it. I know you have plenty of places where you can spend your 20 minutes, but uh, I appreciate you giving them to me. I really do. I'm not kidding. And we're going to start this off the way we uh, usually do. And if you're new to the show, one, why? Two, I pick out uh, two or three cities that are first time popping up on my list of places that are downloading this podcast. And relax. I don't see your addresses, just your city. Okay, calm down. Uh, the first time up here is uh, Anaheim, California. It's the first time they've uh, listened, somebody there. And uh, you know, Anaheim uh, is down here in Los Angeles. It has um, a couple of big things there. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Next is from Germany. I'm going to make a wild assumption. It's Grenzach Wieland in Baden-Württemberg. <laughs> is my accent getting any better? I don't know. Anyway, welcome to whoever is listening in uh, Grenzach Wieland, Baden-Württemberg in Germany. And from our northern neighbor, Canada and Alberta, it's Sherwood Park. So thank you very much for tuning in. And before we get into the show, uh, let's do an update here. The Director of States and Territory Acquisitions, Catherine, she is on a mission. Last week, I said that no one from Iceland had downloaded one of these podcasts. Now, Catherine has helped me conquer the United States. <laughs> I have now set my sights on total world domination. That's right. Take that, Joe Rogan. So the DSTA, Catherine, I, I shortened, I abbreviated that. So it's DSTA, Catherine, is currently working on Iceland. But if anyone out there listening is planning a, a trip to Iceland, could you uh, be a lamb and help us out and <laughs> listen to one of these things? So on with this week's podcast. Now, it's not about FanFests, <laughs> in case you were wondering, mostly because I don't get them. Now, my executive producer, my wife, is heading off to one tomorrow, and apparently it's a big one. Uh, it's not that Comic-Con thing in San Diego. No, this one is the mother of all space-driven fan gatherings. It's the Star Wars convention in Anaheim, of all places. It's literally two miles from that big theme park where they have a whole Star Wars land. So I was I was actually offered a chance to go, but I, um, I politely declined. I don't get them. 60 billion people dressed up in galactic costumes, all waving their non-lethal lightsabers. I mean, I applaud all of you who are going. I respect your deep, immersive fanning. I really do. May the forces be with you. Or is it force? I don't know if it's plural or not. Whatever, may something be with you. I think the reason I don't get them is because of the movies. I blame the movies. You know, I saw the first one. Or officially number three or four you see lucas and company lost me when they tricked my feeble mind into doing a bunch of movies with titles then they added numbers that weren't even in sequential order and then released a bunch more movies out of order and then released what they call standalones okay i give up so for all of you who are going want to go we're already there taking a short 20 minute break so you can listen to me well be warned it's a trap <laughs> That's the only thing I know from Star Wars. It's a trap. <laughs> I had to do it. The tractor beam has sucked you in and you won't get out. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be at home watching reruns of the Andy Griffith show. And speaking of the Andy Griffith show, I was watching an episode yesterday and Andy and Helen Crump went to the fair. While they were at the fair, they wrote a carousel. 
or a merry-go-round as Helen called it. And thank God I watched that because until yesterday, I didn't have a topic. Now I do. <laughs> Carousels. Now, what's the last time you thought of one? So I spent today researching my carved horse riding ass off so you didn't have to do that today. You're welcome. The carousel is one of, you know, many amusement rides and it's probably the oldest one and it's uh, entertained people for ages unless you're in Logan's Run, then it's not a fun place. <laughs> That's a 1976 movie reference. Look it up. <laughs> Most carousels have seats shaped like horses, although there are those that have other types of uh, places to sit down like pigs, zebras, tigers, and different mythological creatures, airplanes or cars, and benches. The first carousels appeared in the 6th century, and they originated in ancient Byzantium, where people tied baskets to a center pole, and then people climbed in the baskets, and they spun them around. <laughs> Fun times. Now, carousels that we know today actually started out as jousting games in the 12th century Europe and Asia. Knights at that time would gallop in a circle and throw clay balls that were filled with perfume between them. Now, as you can imagine, this took a little bit of skill and horsemanship. Now, if a player failed to catch the ball, it would break and then he would smell like perfume uh, the rest of the day and be ashamed of his lesser skills. <laughs> so apparently, smelling good in the 12th century was a bad thing. <laughs> this training was called Little Battle or Little War and was used by the Crusaders to describe a combat preparation exercise and game played by the Turkish and Arabian horsemen in the 12th century. The Spanish and Italian words for Little War were Garicello or Caracella. Those words eventually became the French word Carousel. The French also improved on the Little War training game by developing a device to practice for carousel competitions that was the direct ancestor of the fairground ride. By the 17th century, the perfume balls were gone, and instead, the soldiers had to spear small rings that were hanging from poles overhead and rip them off. In order to prepare for these competitions, a practice device was created which featured legless wooden horses suspended from arms on a central rotating pole. The pole was rotated either by human, horse, or mule, while the horsemen mounted on the wooden horses practiced games such as spearing the ring with their jousting lances. Now, civilians decided they wanted in on the fun, and the game began to be played by commoners, and carousels soon sprung up at fairgrounds all across Europe. By the early 18th century, carousels were being built and operated at various fairs and gatherings in Central Europe and England. These early carousels had no platforms. Uh, instead, the animals would hang from chains and fly outward from the centrifugal force of the spinning mechanism. They quickly adopted the name Flying Horse Carousel. They were often powered by animals walking a circle or by people pulling a rope or cranking some kind of cranking gear. <laughs> you know, you just can't stop progress. So in the 19th century, that saw improvements in the carousel design. First up, carousels got platforms and assorted animals besides horses were now fixed to the platform. Unfortunately, they were still powered the same way as the 18th century until 1861. <gasps> That's when the first steam-powered mechanical roundabout was invented by Thomas Bradshaw and appeared at a fair in 1861. 
It was described by a newspaper journalist as a, quote, roundabout of huge proportions driven by a steam engine which whirled around with such impetuosity that the wonder is the daring riders are not shot off like cannonballs and driven half into the middle of next month, end quote. <laughs> what, a, what a great description. Soon afterwards, an English engineer named Frederick Savage began to branch out from his agricultural machinery production into the construction of fairground machines. Savage's fairground machinery was exported all over the world. By 1870, he was manufacturing carousels with velocipedes, which were an early type of bicycle, and he soon began experimenting with other possibilities, including a roundabout with boats. He devised a mechanism that would pitch and roll the boats on cranks with a circular motion. He called it the Sea on Land Ride. But old Frederick wasn't done. Nope. He applied a similar innovation to the more traditional mount of the horse. He installed gears and offset cranks on the platform carousels that gave the animals their well-known up-and-down motion as they traveled around the center pole. The platform served as a place for people to walk to the other stationary animals or benches. He called this ride the Platform Gallopers. Fairground band organs were often present and in some cases actually installed in the carousel. Eventually, electric lights were added, giving the carousel its classic look. It was in this historical context that the modern fairground ride was born with Savage supplying the new market demand. In his 1902 catalog for roundabouts, he claimed to have, quote, patented and placed upon the market all the principal novelties that have delighted the many thousands of pleasure seekers at home and abroad, end quote. Carousels were very popular in the United States between the start of the 20th century and the Great Depression. After the economy crashed, unfortunately, a ton of small carousels were destroyed. <gasps> When the economy recuperated, the technology for carousel production also improved, and the rides were made from aluminum and synthetic materials. Carousels started growing larger and more exciting. Steam engines were replaced with electric motors. Okay, it's time for a short break, mostly because I need to get some water. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the types of carousels, and I'm going to give you a whole bunch of facts to fill your head with so the next time you're at an amusement park, you can amaze and dazzle your friends with your knowledge of carousels. <laughs> Don't go away. Palisades has a ride. Palisades has a fun. Come on over. Shows and dancing are free. So the parking so gee. Come on over. Palisades from coast to coast, where a dime buys the most. Palisades amusement park swings all day and after dark. Ride the coaster, get cool in the waves, in the pool you'll have fun. So come on over. Well, that sounds like a fun place to go to, but sadly it closed in 1971. <laughs> So sad. All right, uh, let's get back to it. Now, there are all kinds of carousels, but for the most part, they fall under one umbrella you'll hear in a minute. So first, there is the classic carousel. You know what I'm talking about. They have uh, seats in the shape of animals, uh, usually the horses, I guess, so you can practice your carousel moves before your knighthood test. <laughs> let's see. There's also uh, the roundabout, which is a playground toy. It's a simplified version of the carousel with no mechanism and no seats. It's just kind of a rotating platform with bars on it that act as handholds. Mm -hmm. 
the kind where your friends dare you to sit in the middle of it and then they spin it as fast as they can until you go flying off. Yeah, that's some fifth grade baggage I have there. Then there's the swing ride. It's basically a carousel. It has swings as seats for riders and they're suspended from a rotating top of the carousel. There's the Caterpillar or some other theme appropriate name. It's a ride that consists of uh, cars and I'm using air quotes with a bench seat. They're all connected onto one big circle. Then it starts spinning really fast. And here's a fun trick. Make sure that the lightest person in your group is sitting on the outside seat. (laughs) Centrifugal force. You know where I'm going with that one. Uh, And one of the rides at Disneyland and always has a long line is another type of carousel. It's the teacups. It consists of a rotating platform, which has four hubs, which in turn carries about four cars with a couple of seats. The hubs rotate on the platform and the cars rotate on the hubs. There's usually a wheel in the middle that lets you spin the car as fast as you can. Here's another fun trick. Drink a really large blue Slurpee, then get on the ride and spin it really fast as you can. (laughs) So basically, if it spins in a circle, it's considered a carousel. (laughs) Okay. This is a broad definition of carousel, if you ask me, but uh, everywhere from the classic up and down horses to the teacups at Disneyland are carousels. Now, carousels have been popular for more than 100 years, and some of them are even considered works of art. Now, here's some facts about carousels. You can tuck away in the memory bank, you know, the next time you're in an amusement park with your friends, you know, there's a carousel, stop the group, look at it, and then just amaze your friends with one of these tidbits, because they surely will praise you for all of your factual knowledge. (laughs) Okay, this one's really interesting. You ready? When viewed from above, merry-go-rounds in the United Kingdom usually turn clockwise. That means when viewed from the outside, the animals face to the left. In North America and mainland Europe, carousels typically go counterclockwise with the animals facing to the right. I I can hear you thinking right now, you're picturing the last carousel you were on, you're saying, by God, he's right. (laughs) Because when I researched this and saw that, I thought back, yeah, (laughs) they do, they went to the right. (sighs) I digress. The world's largest carousel is the one located at the House on the Rock near Dodgeville and Spring Green, Wisconsin. It has 269 carousel animals, 182 chandeliers, and over 20,000 lights. Here's another fact for you. American aviator Charles Lindbergh, you remember him, he's the guy who was the first to cross the Atlantic in an airplane. Well. He rode the Coney Island Carousel before the flight to relax before taking off. (laughs) Let's see. When making carousels, manufacturers would place the larger animals to the edge and the smaller to the hub. The smaller would go slower, which made them safer for small children. Well, how thoughtful. That's very nice. (laughs) Thanks of you. There are generally three types of animals for carousels, depending on their stance. There's the standing figures which have at least three of their feet on the ground, prancers with two front feet in the air and two on the ground, and jumpers with all four feet in the air, represented as if they were running and jumping. Normally, the jumpers are also the ones that go up and down. The two double-decker Columbia carousels located at Six Flags Great America in Gurney, Illinois, and California's Great America located in Santa Clara are the two tallest carousels in the world. 
Here's another fact for you. The oldest stationary carousel in the world is the Hanau Carousel, built in 1780 and located in Hanau, Germany. It has four chariots and 12 horses. The horses and coaches date back from 1896. Sadly, in 1970, 12 of the 16 wooden horses were stolen. <laughs> How do you pull that off? Flying Horses Carousel is the nation's oldest platform carousel. It was built in 1876 and originally operated at Coney Island in New York. It was moved to Oak Bluffs, Massachusetts in 1884, where it's lived in its red barn ever since. Here's a fact for you. Carousel chariots and later benches were added to the early modern carousels of the 20th century to allow ladies to ride without the need to sit side saddle. The Santa Cruz Loof Carousel is one of the few carousels still in its original location for more than 100 years. It's considered a pure carousel, which means all the horses were provided by the same company that built the carousel. It's also one of the few with the rare combination of a working ring dispenser. The first known carousel ride in the United States operated in 1799 in Salem, Massachusetts, and it was called the, quote, Wooden Horse Circus Ride. And lastly, one of the most famous carousels in the world is the King Arthur's Carousel in Disneyland. But did you know it was actually built in 1922 and operated at the Sunnyside Beach Park in Toronto, Ontario, Canada until the park closed? The ride was then relocated to Disneyland in 1954, where it was refurbished and opened with the park on July 17, 1955. It is one of the 11 original Disney rides you can still ride today. Okay, you know I'm going to do it. Here's a bonus quiz. I know it's off topic, but can you name the other 10 original rides you can still ride today? I'll give you a second to go get a pencil and write down your answers. Okay, time's up. Besides the carousel, here's the other original 10 rides. The Disneyland Railroad, Autopia, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Peter Pan's Flight, the Mad Tea Party, which we now know is a type of carousel, Snow White Scary Adventures, the Mark Twain Riverboat, Storybook Land, Canal Boats, Jungle Cruise, and the KC Junior Circus Train. Here's another fun fact for you. If you've seen or been on the KC Junior Circus Train, well, the sleigh-style cars were actually from the original carousel that later became King Arthur's Carousel. And speaking of Walt Disney, the reason Disneyland and all of the other Disney parks around the world exist today is because of a carousel. You see, Walt would take his two young daughters to ride the carousel in Griffith Park in Los Angeles. And as he sat there on a bench watching them go round and round, he thought to himself that there should be a place for kids of all ages to have fun. And just like that. And that will wrap up this episode. Did we learn anything? Well, we learned that carousels actually start off as a perfume-throwing uh, night training device. <laughs> we learned that if you like going up and down on a carousel horse, you can thank Frederick Savage for that. And we learned that if you get a big round piece of plywood, screw a couple of skateboards to the bottom of it, stand in the middle of it, and have your friends spin you around, you made your own carousel. Congratulations. <laughs> That is going to do it for this episode. As always, thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I do appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye.
Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer on the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.